Hello, friend. Welcome, Carm Capriato, the Town Hall Academy, episode 157, and a discussion on flat rate and hourly hybrid pay plans for technicians. I've got a panel of shop owners ready to discuss. Joe just admitted that uh, when they have a comeback, he's got three guys that walk over to the car, and I don't think my three guys are going to walk over and look at the oh, well, car. You get what I'm saying. <laughs> I'm joking with yeah, you. I know you are. Welcome, automotive aftermarketers, to a Remarkable Results Radio Town Hall Academy. Listen to learn just one thing from today's episode on your journey to remarkable results. Hello, friend, Carm Capriato, the founder and host of the Aftermarket's three premier podcasts with a growing library of content from all three aftermarket podcasts. Now, I think we're up to about 742 episodes that have been a strong learning tool for all aftermarket professionals. Now, if you're new to the show and have not locked in a free subscription on a podcast listening app, well, I urge you to go to a special page on my website, remarkableresults.biz slash listen. It's also on the menu bar and you get links to all three podcasts so your smartphone will deliver each new show as it gets released. Hey, just a few seconds for Shopware. We're so proud to partner with Shopware. You know, it may be time to transform your shop with the only shop management system that will give you more profit and more time. Find out how shops using Shopware are driving up their profit with more efficient staff and happier customers. Visit shop-ware.com and get a free demo. If you're ready to have your own For the Record podcast show, just record your opinion or rant on your smartphone and send it my way. We'll talk about releasing it for the world to hear. Carm at RemarkableResults.biz. With me on this academy is Jeff Matt, Victory Auto Service and Glass, Minneapolis, Minnesota. Joe Hansen, Gordy's Garage in Roseville, Michigan. Mike Maloney, Convenience Auto Service, Ann Arbor, Michigan. And Corey Ivaldi, Olmsted Auto Care in Northridgeville, Ohio. Find the show notes at remarkableresults.biz slash A157. And you can even use them as an outline for yourself or for a meeting. Just copy and paste. You know, there's no right or wrong answer as it relates to how you pay your technicians. If it's a modified flat rate or hourly program, your best intentions is to keep the focus on taking care of your customer and providing a living wage for a quality day's work for your team. One mention that I need to address, and it was brought up in the podcast, if you or anyone on your team is living paycheck to paycheck or even beyond your means, any increase in pay will be lost on bad spending or saving habits. You can get help to get out of debt and create a budget. One great resource is Dave Ramsey. Now, let's talk about technician pay plans. We've got a great panel. Um, Jeff Matt, Victory Auto Service and Glass, Minneapolis, Minnesota. Hello, Jeff. Good day. Good to be with you. Joe Hansen's here from Gordy's Garage in Roseville, Michigan. Hello, Carm. Hey, man. Mike Maloney, Convenience Auto Service, Ann Arbor, Michigan. Mike? Hello, everyone. Good to have you here. And Corey Evaldi, Olmsted Auto Care, Northridge, Ohio. Hey, guys. You know, I'm going to sit back and watch these guys go at it, and hopefully there's no bloodshed. Uh, but I don't think so. You know, we all know each other. We're all we're all just friends in our industry t- trying to help each other. But, you know, there's, there's many sides of a debate. I want to share one thing with you. ATMC, uh, part of ASE, uh, has done some extensive surveys each and every year. And this is one from... 2018, 2019 isn't out yet, the pay structure by workplace. And in the aftermarket, between salary and hourly, it's 65.5%. That's the that's the share. And uh, flat rate is 22 per, 22% of the, of the aftermarket. Now, there's some OE stats here. And as you would expect, flat rate 61.8% in, in that industry. However, Flat rate's got its uh, points and, and its value to shop owners, and, and so does a salary hybrid, if you will, hourly program. And I want to start out with Jeff Matt. Um, Jeff, you told me in your talking points today that I've never met an hourly pay technician or a technician with a high guarantee of pay that is high that is a high producing technician. I mean, that's that's huge to be on in flat rate. 
Yeah, that's just uh, what what my experience has been. It seems like the guys that really want to be on hourly, from my experience, are guys that just kind of want a steady pace. And um, I think the most important thing that we have available to us, our most limited commodity, is our time. It isn't our technicians. I mean, technicians are obviously a challenge to come by good ones, but we have to if we want to be a high producing shop, we need to be able to get as much hours produced for available hours as possible. And uh, I think that the, in my corner of the world, from what I've experienced, the best ones that I've, that I've come across are the ones that can, that can be 150, 200% efficient with their time, their available hours. And those guys want to get paid. And those guys want to get paid for their t- the time that they bill out. And you agree with that, right, Mike? I do, for the most part, agree with Jeff. I think that uh, for 90% of the employees, uh, flat rate is is better. They like it better. I think we all need to be, uh, in order to be effective leaders and shop managers, we've got to be using our putting our psychologist hat on a little bit, and because I think we all recognize that that pay is just one part of of a good employee experience. Um, Pay is an important part, obviously, but it's but it's only one part. You've got to you got to be able to keep your shop full if you're going to be uh, using a flat rate system. You can't use it as a way to uh, try to reduce your labor cost or anything else. You've got to use it as a motivational tool. And when the guys produce, you've got to be willing to pay them. Joe, have you ever interviewed a potential technician that said to you, "I don't want to work flat rate"? I have, but I, I've, I've never had a flat rate technician work for me. So my recruitment ad is, are you sick of flat rate? Call me. And I've got tons of calls from that. Um, I still get calls from that and I don't need anybody. Um, I, I watched some second generation in the, in the business. So I watched my dad 30 for 30 some years have very high producing individuals in the business and they would bill 60, 70 hours, billable hours a week, which is fantastic. A lot of money was made on both sides during that time area. But I also watched a lot of turnover and I also watched a lot of um, tension in the business. A lot of, a lot of, competitiveness within the business, which I'm a hundred percent for competition, but I'm not, I'm not for competition when it creates a, a negative type of culture. Right. So, so I don't know what it's like to interview for a flat rate technician. Um, I, I, I always have hired because when I, when I bought the place, I got, that's all we had was flat rate, but I didn't want that kind of tension. Like I want to make a living. I want to have fun. Uh, and not, not that there, and I don't want to cast a, a negative culture over flat rate for all shops, but for our shop, our experience is very competitive within. So I like to go to, to come to work and everyone's working together for a common goal. So, so I don't, I don't necessarily, I'm not looking like when I'm hiring, I'm not looking for the best technician. I'm looking to put the best team together. And from my experience, looking at my numbers from when I took over, we've increased every year. I've never had to fire anybody um, in that, time period. And I've not had to, I've not had anybody quit either. And our profitability is higher. Our productivity is pretty much higher and we're making more money. So I don't know how I can disagree with the way I'm doing it. Yeah. I mean, I, I agree with what uh, Joe had said for the most part. Um, You know, I am kind of also second generation, if you will, I've taken over the shop, uh, uh, handful of years ago now. But uh, when we first started off, um, you know, we were basically all hourly with uh, a group incentive. And, you know, it was as I was when I was just a technician, it was okay. But as I became more of the shop manager, service advisor, stuff like that, um, it, it just got really lopsided because I was just out producing everybody there. And I was able to produce two times more than any individual tech. While you were working there, you were flat rate? 
I was hourly with an incentive and it, it, it just got, it, it just got to the point where they were getting paid incentive off of the work that I was doing. Had they been able to do the work that I can do, then we would have made all more money. And once I got into being the shop manager and getting, um, because we had a secession plan in place for me to take over the business. And it just got to the point where the business wasn't really profitable and we weren't getting the jobs done. And I was, like I said, I was doing 40% of the work out of four technicians. And that was, that was just no way to do it. So we switched and it was a little bit of a shock to everybody, but it was an overnight where I had more hours produced by other folks. I am confused because before you bought the shop, you said you guys were salary incentive. We were an hourly, but we had, it was off of gross dollars that we got paid after a certain amount, you know, everybody would get a bonus. Okay. But you were carrying the shop and if you were flat rate, you would have been fat and happy. Oh, I would have. So I actually left. I actually left my place of employment, the place that I own right now. I left. And I went to a flat rate shop and I was, I was scared to be honest with you because I had not worked really flat rate. And all of a sudden that fear went away within a couple of weeks because I was making hands over fist more money. And the guys around me were just as hungry and just as producing as what I was. And it was, it was a completely different culture. Um, I like, I'm a person that likes to get things done and get them done now. So at where I was at the one point, if a job was okay for tomorrow, it wasn't even started on. But where I, when I went to the flat rate shop, man, they, they started on it as soon as they got the okay for stuff. You seem to be laying right into Mike and Jeff's lap here for the, <laughs> right? the, the value of what flat rate means. But yet when you bought the shop, you now have a hybrid program. Uh, and, and, and so this is perfect to open up this debate because Corey has been on both sides of the street. Yeah, absolutely. I came when I uh, came back to Olmstead Auto Care. I uh, created this hybrid flat rate system. Now, why did you do that, Corey? Why, if if you saw the value from your perspective as a tech, uh, and and what it meant to you, and uh, you know, being able to find guys like a Corey to come in and work there, it comes down to if you know, especially being the owner, if I have no cars coming in the building and I'm not doing my job, then they shouldn't go hungry. Okay. But if I'm flooding the, the, the shop with work and there's a lot of cars coming in, there's a recipe for success. So the way that I look at it and the way that I've explained this to every single person, I have a tiered system. So the more that they produce, the higher their, their hourly wage goes all the way down to hour zero. And what it is, every single business out there has a break-even they, they, everybody has a f- so much in fixed expenses. Then you have your variable expenses being your, your parts and your labor. Well, once your fixed expenses go up, there's a bigger percentage of profit that the shop has. And with these tiered systems and this flat rates way, the technicians get a little bit of that extra profit. And, I, and that's exactly the way that we do it, Corey. Um, our, uh, Technicians, when they when they hit that point, their hourly wage goes up really fast. Mm-hmm. Um, one of the things that it does uh, in in our twenty group, we look at at ratios uh, a lot. And one of the things that it does is that as as my uh, gross profit, labor gross profit dollars go up, my labor gross profit percentage goes down, and I get a little static from some of my friends in the in the group uh, for that. But it's something that we've calculated and accept because you you know you want to have good margins, oh, yeah. but you also want to have good profit dollars, and so uh, it it uh, it does motivate the right kind of employees. Mm-hmm. But I but I think in fairness to what Joe is saying, it really depends on your team and the kind of personalities that you have, uh, the kind of a personality that the the owner of the shop has. Um, 
it really all goes together to make a great result. The way I've looked at this, you've got three, three people in the transaction. You've got the shop, you've got the technician, and you've got the customer. And I can, I can compare the, an hourly system to an incentive system pretty easily by setting a, a, a very practical example. It's the last day of the month today, right? It's Friday and it's five o'clock at the shop and the customer walks in and they've got a, a battery light on, for example, and they want to get their car back on the road for this weekend. And I can guarantee you if I've got hourly paid guys and I go back and I try to hand them a ticket at five o'clock and say, I need to have this done as soon as possible. Um, of course, there's a lot of variables. There's a lot of factors. I know Joe runs a, a great organization. He's a great leader and I'm sure has great guys that would step up and, and back up. But I think just as a general whole, uh, all three people are going to win out in a flat rate system if that happens this afternoon at five o'clock. The customer is going to get their car back. Very likely that technician is going to grab that job knowing he can get that job done and beat book time. The shop's going to get the, the gross profit, the sale in the, in the till before the end of the month. And everybody, it's everybody wins. And this is not always the case if you've got a guy that's not motivated to get that job done, get it done quickly, get that customer back on the road. To me, that sums up the, the two differences, the, the greatest. I disagree only because I think that, um, I, and, and I, I, all of our shops have great guys that work at them. That's, that's an obvious thing. But, but I think that that example somewhat could be an extreme example because how many times does that happen at five o'clock? So, I mean, I, I just believe that the, 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 the pay plan is going to drive the culture so I think it drives all of the culture. It does here. You mentioned personalities. When 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 uh, I hired everybody at the shop, I, when I first bought it, I got rid of everybody except one employee, which was Keith, which was scary because I'm not a mechanic. So it was kind of freaky. I'm good at all changes, I'll tell you that now. But um, the the we gave them all personality tests. We we worked we worked with them so that they took tests. I knew what I was working with, and and it's not like a personality is if someone's competitive or type A or a D type personality or anything, that's not the reason to hire them or not to hire them, but it's once you hire them, how to, how you can, how they can not use their, their personality as an excuse, but it can be used to know how to communicate with each other. And then as a team, you know, when we, when we created our pay plan and, and ours is not just, here's money, just show up and here's money. It's, it's incentive based as well. There's a guarantee in there. It's a nice guarantee as well. Um, um, but you know, once we hit our break, even like Corey had said, you know, there's profit dollars available and everybody shares in that profit. But the important thing, like for me and what I wanted for my business is I wanted them to work together as a team. I wanted, I wanted to be coherent. So it's, and, and it took a while to hire the right people. I admit you go through, go through some people and I have no idea what it would be like, like Jeff, you have multi shops. I don't. So that would, you know, yeah, you're you're. It'd be very difficult to. It's a huge factor, and I don't. I wouldn't even know how to start that because I don't have experience with multi shops. But for my shop, for what I have, it, it works out by having a pay plan that's in, it's incentive based based on um, billable hours. So at at a at our billable hour goal, once that's hit, what's interesting about this is this. And this is kind of crazy. Our guys will hit their billable hour goal, right? So I had this pay plan and I created it, and they hit it, and then what I did is paid them basically flat rate based on their billable hours all the way back to zero. So the goal was hit and everybody got a certain rate times all their billable hours. And it was good for a couple months. And then we got, I think the third or fourth month and, and the guys were complaining about the plan. So I said, okay, well, here's how it's going to work. We have this pay. We have, we have this many billable hours we have to hit before we're profitable. Once we're profitable, then we can go ahead and share that with everybody. You guys now decide how you want that disbursement to happen. So I let them decide and they wanted it divided equally amongst everybody, which was crazy to me because I would never do that. I'm a very competitive person. So we did that and they're happy. It's been two years and they're happy with that. So once they hit that goal, they share it. And I'm like, how does that work? And they're like, Joe, you don't realize how much we help each other out there. Like a car will come in and I'll take a couple of wheels off and help him. And he'll, he goes, how do we measure that? How do we know who gets what hours? He goes, so what does make it even? Now that's probably for, maybe that's unique. I don't know, but it works for our team. So I think, you know, as much as we're going to debate the, this, you know, flat rate versus salary or whatnot, I think we'll at the end come up with, there's not a perfect pay plan for any shop, any one shop, 
but it's going to depend on the type of people we hire, how the culture works, how they work together. And it'll always evolve. I think it won't be one set pay plan. So I, I, I agree with you. I think you left out one piece, Joe, and that's the personality of the owner and, mm-hmm. and, and what your leadership style is. True. Because yeah. the shop is going to take on the personality of the person that owns or is running the shop. If the owner has multiple locations like we have, you can't be everywhere. And right. so you have to depend on some systems to be in place. And, and obviously pay plan and motivation of the, not only the technicians, but the service advisors and managers are really critical for the shops to be able to uh, operate independently and without some direct hand on hands-on uh, leadership. So how do you guys feel this leads into recruitment from other industries though? When we look at, like I interviewed before this, I interviewed our, one of our apprentice techs and I said, Hey, if you're looking at different industries, um, and one industry could have you starting each week at zero on a, a flat rate as we know it, right? He doesn't even know what that means, but flat rate, right? And, or you could have one with a somewhat of a consistent pay and, a, you know, and as you perform with a team, you could bonus and make more, which would you pick? And he said, why would I start at zero every week? Why would I want to do that? And I said, I don't know. And so I'm supposing that, how do you guys feel like comparing against, I have a friend who's got a, one of our fleets and a friend and a customer, he's got a, a 40 fleet plumber. It's a plumber, plumbing electrician, all that. And I asked, I call, I said, Hey, how do, how do you pay your guys? How does it work? He goes, I think I said, are they commissioned or whatnot? And he said, no, they're hourly. And you know, if this company makes money, there'll be profit at the end. And I thought, well, if my guys are competing against industries like that, how would I recruit someone in other than the fact that they love working on a car, right? Maybe that's a whole different deal. But you know, when you're talking to them at the counselor's office, how would they explain that. So I'm just curious how, what you guys think. It all sounds so complicated to me. Why, why does it sound like flat rates easier than salary bonus? And then my question is to the team, if it's not simple, then we forget all the things that we're doing regarding team, regarding these plateaus. Do we really know uh, that this, you know, the simplicity of flat rate versus the hybrids. Have Joe, have you ever found a problem where Mike, you know, if you, has any tech come up to you and say it's too complicated the other way? I have, and uh, I, I think again, not to be not to be critical, but I think that that uh, you know, if you're if you're going to do uh, some kind of a of a sharing that that doesn't get paid out till the end of the month or or a quarter or something like that. Um, I've got, I've got guys that, uh, that had heartburn when I went from a one week payroll to a two week right. payroll. Mm-hmm. And, uh, that, that's a, that's really something to think about. Uh, the, the, the flat rate, we have a, a system, our, our shop management system, Jeff has the same one where the guys can go in and they can see how they're doing every week. They know where the break points are. They know when they're close and, uh, at, at noon on Friday, they're all looking to see where they are and what do I have to do to, you know, get myself to the next, um, I call it a bonus tier, but it's, it's uh, similar to what Corey does every, every five hours of uh, flat rate production, it increases their total, their total, um, flat rate hourly pay level for that whole week. So, uh, a difference of two or three or four hours might make a difference of a couple hundred bucks for somebody. And that's, so Mike, are, you, that's are you saying, Mike, are you saying that they get heartburn because of flat rate or be, for uh, what are you? No, I, um, for instance, I, where, where I, I had to really sit down and counsel and help some guys. Uh, I mean, I've got guys that are making 70 grand that are living from paycheck to paycheck. And when I went from one week of being paid every Friday to being every paid every two weeks, um, you know, there were a couple of guys that I, one guy whose wife is just out of control and he puts the money in the bank account and he can't, he can't make it two weeks. Uh, they need a Dave Ramsey course, don't they? Yeah. yeah. Well, yeah. For sure. I've actually and sent a technician piece. to a Dave yeah. Ramsey course. So have I. Yeah, that's and it's a different it's a different kind of an employee, but um, it, that's it's a different kind of a problem, Joe. Um, but mm. but but waiting for the bonus uh, kind of exacerbates that issue. Um, you know, if a guy is yeah. worried about making his loan payments, 
that's what that's what's interesting about flat rate is i would i remember that you know when we were flat rate when my dad had owned it and i would see technicians come in and they were their wives attacked them because it was slow where's the money where's the more where's the money and so they they couldn't develop this consistency if they wanted to buy a new car and they had a payment if they're going to have a payment or a house payment and they wanted more of a consistent thing but i found that at the end of the day at the end of the year they made the same money they, they could make the same money, just they couldn't budget that money themselves. So with a more of a, I don't want to say salary, but more of a guarantee, you can kind of take that edge away. And to me, if the, you take that 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 poking away with his wife barking in his ear, maybe, or 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 he's or that or that employee is just you know having trouble financially. If you make it even with a bonus at the end of the month, they can plan better, right? So it, I just. I think that that is smoother for even the home life. Now that that puts the responsibility on us as owners, though, to make sure we have cars coming in. Because if if there's no money to, if you're not making money and you're still paying out this guarantee, but that's not on them. That's on us. I, I just I, I remember when we were down to uh, one technician, and that was the most horrendous thing ever. And I was like, I I, I would have rather overpaid an employee than than lost. Um, because I couldn't produce, I lost more money that way. So, I, I maybe I look at it as a little bit different because I'm not a tech. I can't go out there and produce if I need to. I, I just like the consistency and then a the bonus at the end, and everything seems to flow better. Hey, Carm here. Now, think about your shop management system. Isn't it the center of your business? And most of us are running on systems that are decades old, and you know who you are. It's time to change and get the benefits that a modern system can bring to your business. Shopware Shop Management is a cloud-powered management system that gives your staff and your customers the end-to-end digital experience that they expect. With Shopware, you can see every job and view work updates in real time. And you can manage your shop from anywhere with any device. And that's becoming more important than ever. You'll see your customers interact with digital work orders and buy services from you more often with less effort. You can earn more parts profit with just the click of one button and with less paper, too. You'll also get improved efficiency from your staff. Do this. Request a live tour of Shopware at shop-ware.com. Look, it's time to make the switch and get started making more money with a powerful modern business tool designed to solve your biggest challenges. The chat box, guys, is going crazy. And if you've not checked it out... Uh, Mike, here's a question from Andy for Mike. Uh, where do your breakpoints start from the first hour or from a certain base number? They normally start for us, and it's it's different for different technicians. And uh, one of the things that we haven't talked about is kind of the life cycle of the tech. And I think everybody that's involved in the podcast today values the long-term veteran employees. You know, they're, they're, they're not trying to churn. And so you really have to think as you set the breakpoints and as you set the uh, the levels, what's going to happen over the if you're going to give somebody an annual review or every 18 months or whatever it is you got to think about where you're going. Mm-hmm. But but typically somebody would start out and it depends on their production because when somebody goes from being uh, a C tech and I I normally pay those those guys hour hourly you know a general service tech or my my tire guy he's going to so. I want to give them about a 15% increase. And then uh, I'll normally watch what they're able to produce. So for the month or two before I switch them, I'm looking at their efficiency and I'm looking at what they're contributing. And I'll set a, a, a goal. And for instance, I have a young man right now who I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to set a goal at about uh, 70 hours for uh, a two-week pay period, so 35 hours a week. He's going to get a little bump at 35. He's going to get another bump at 40. He's going to get another bump at 45. And we're going to we'll set it up that way, and that's going to give him uh, motivation to push a little bit harder. Another comment, John Gustafson, we're in California too and use a hybrid system. We pay double minimum, which is 26 for 2020 and measure flag productivity. We bonus them when the flag value exceeds the hourly. When the overtime is in play, we pay one and a half times hourly and 1.5 times the bonus amount earned in OT. Always be careful of the wage and hour law 
All yes. I could tell you is yeah. Oh, yeah. you could get in some really big doo-doo. Yes, that's a big factor. I'm glad you mentioned that because I'm actually involved in something right now uh, regarding overtime and a former employee. So I think it should be said for sure, if it's uh, technically a salaried employee, that's truly a salary. And if it's hourly, it's truly an hourly. And if it's commissioned, it's truly commissioned. And those need to be designated because obviously if you've got an hourly employee, they can't work over 40 hours. So very, very important. You limit your available hours with your best techs in an hourly system, which if you plan for it, it's okay. But if you're short on text. You're right, Jeff. I think we have to remove the word salary from this discussion and just really yes. call it a, a, an hourly hybrid because salary connotes something completely different and exempt Absolutely. status. I don't know if it's the federal or the state has, you know, if, you may, if you're going to pay someone a salary, they have to make a minimum number. You have to be cognizant of the federal law and also like Jeff Jeff uh, is in multiple states, and so you have different criteria. You've got to, you really got to be on top of it. Barry Barrett says, speaking of Dave Ramsey, your pay raise is effective when you are. Well said. Bobby Bassett was uh, concerned about comebacks. Uh, where do you see, uh, you know, my curiosity a little while back was, you know, the 20 groups and, and the coaching groups. I know you share numbers. And there's got to be multiple, you know, both, both hourly and flat rate mentalities in the 20 groups. Do you have a chance to compare? And if you do, has any one side romanced you? Not really. <laughs> okay. I think it stands to reason for our shop. My, I know my guys don't want to do a job over a second time, especially if it's related to work to their workmanship. And I just think that, uh, again, back to my example at the end of the day, I think the example as far as workmanship goes is works throughout the throughout the course of the week. Not that guys that don't really want to do it over for free or whatever, but there's kind of a combination of, uh, of doing things efficiently and doing them well, and doing them the right way. So I think that that's, that lends well to having less comebacks. I don't have any specific data. I don't know that, that we've measured that really closely, but. What, what happens with comebacks in an hourly shop? You handle it. I mean, I, I've had it where when the guys are flat right before with my dad, that, that, the comeback would happen and it was up to that technician to fix that car right, right? They might have goofed up or they might have, a part was bad, whatever it was, it came back and it was not the fault of whatever the customer. Um, but in this environment that I have, I've seen a car come back and I've seen three technicians walk over with concern and say, what happened? Let me help you out. Oh, this was wrong or whatever. And so it, 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 it gets handled still. And I, I really, like Jeff said, I don't have numbers and I don't measure it really, but um, but there's no penalty gets, in an hourly shop. Well, there is a penalty because it's still, if they don't hit their production right. goal, they don't hit a bonus, right? So Zero dollars at hourly yeah. inv hours invested. Joe just admitted that uh, when they have a comeback, he's got three guys that walk over to the car, and I don't think my three guys are going to walk over and look at oh, well, the car. You get what I'm, I'm saying. Joking. I'm joking. With yeah, you. I know you are. So, so it's, it's more of a, it, it gets handled. And at the end of the day, as you know, Jeff, what matters is what? Customer. Quality. And that's yeah. what keeps the shop full. So it, just, it gets handled because there's, there's different knowledge levels of every technician. Some are better at other things than others. And, you know, at the end of the day, I'd rather at, to Jeff's point, if I, you know, 4.30, a car comes in a comeback, I'd rather have, you know, the technicians attack That's that right. car and knock it out so they're happy versus one guy standing there and the other three go home, so. So here's one more comment, and, and again, it goes back to this whole wage and hour thing from an anonymous attendee. Here's a big question about pay regardless of structure. Have any of the panelists sat down with a wage and hour attorney and asked them if what they are doing is legal? I sat in a class at Bimmer's this last year taught by a wage and hour attorney. He spent 30 years as a federal wage hour prosecutor and now is an attorney helping businesses defend themselves. Out of 35 people in the class, no one had spoken with an attorney after speaking with the instructor. Almost every attendee was not technically legally paying correctly. So, um... It's it's a great point, guys. I haven't talked to anybody, no. Buyer beware. I mean, you know, that's a caveat emptor right there. Don't get caught, you know, doing something that, that is not right. Just because it feels good and the structure is right inside the business doesn't mean that what you're doing will stand the scrutiny of wage and hour, both state and or local. Yeah, I, I had a little situation that happened a while ago, and I had all my stuff gone through um, with my attorney and, you know, we're right on course. So 
Um, yeah. Ohio laws are a little bit more forgiving. Dealerships can get away with doing a strict flat rate system. You know, that's it. Uh, not necessarily in the independence. In the independence, you have to give them some kind of guarantee or, you know, hourly. But yeah. I think what Jeff said too is we just have to be clear on dif- differentiating between salary and hourly, right? I mean, that because that's isn't that the biggest differentiator, right? If they're hourly, time plus overtime and any bonuses are bonuses. One of the things that I would mention that we changed since this lawsuit for me came apparent, but we now document on a sheet of paper. So the customer, the employee knows exactly how they're getting paid. If it is hourly, if it's salary or if it's commission, it has to be one of those three um, categories. And then from those categories, you have to define their, their duties and responsibilities and obviously communicate overtime and work, work hours and time clock expectations as well. So yes, very important. Every week, my guys have to sign off on a time clock, the amount of time that they were able to produce and the amount of time that uh, they were in the building. All it takes is one disgruntled employee to, uh, to get one of these audits turned on you. And um, it's not, it's not, it's really not even enough to be right. Uh, I had one and uh, I wound up paying the attorney more than I paid in uh, any kind of fines or anything like that, but it's a huge time sink. No, someone was asking, uh, do you see more comebacks with uh, or less with hourly paid tax versus flat rate? Um, I don't see a difference. If you're hiring good text, I don't think they're make, they're not rushing through not doing a job right if they're flat rate. I think they're doing the job right. So I haven't seen a change. I don't know about you guys. I'm probably an outlier in the flat rate world. I will most of the time pay the guys to make it right. Mm-hmm. Uh, as long as it's not, as long as it's not a habitual issue, you know, if somebody, if, and you can tell when somebody's fallen off the wagon and you have to, you have to uh, go through some discipline, but we, uh, in my business, I, I always stress that if you make a mistake, you got to man up. Uh, it's a sexist term. Sorry. Um, that's, I'm just an old guy, so I don't know any better, but you know, you, you gotta, you gotta <laughs> you own up, you gotta own up to your mistakes. And if somebody yeah. makes a mistake or if they break something or if they scratch somebody's car, I want them, I, I want them to own up because I want to have a chance to fix it or to explain right. it to the customer rather than have somebody try to cover something up. And so we, unless the employee is a problem employee, um, you know, I, I normally, I've covered a lot of sins. Customer is always number one. At the, at the end of the day, they're who pay our paychecks. I don't pay my technicians. Our customers do. I was in Denver last weekend, uh, had a great time at ASA Colorado Summit. I gave my keynote, and one of the questions that I asked as I was going over success strategies was uh, comebacks. And I asked the question to the audience, who tracks comebacks? Not too many hands came up. And I don't know if, if, you, if you guys do, but we did a couple of great episodes on comebacks. And, you know, who was the tech? What was the car? What was the part? What was the supplier? You know, where, what were the circumstances? And ultimately, if, if you've got that spreadsheet, you can find a pattern. And there's many opportunities in every column to see a pattern. And my friend Matt Fonslow says that my biggest issue with flat rate pay, since he's obviously not a fan of it, is that it immediately puts the technician technician's best interest in conflict with what is the best interest of the client. You, you, you disagree with that, Jeff and Mike. Explain to me your side. I don't agree with that. Part of it is your shop culture. And I agree with, uh, uh, I, I would paraphrase what you said a little while ago about, um, you know, customers. Uh, a, a satisfied customer is the only person in the world that can provide job security. And that's, uh, that's, got to be the centerpiece. I know everybody on the panel uh, agrees with that. And making sure that the customer is happy and is going to give us a good rating on, on social media is that that's, that's the future. And that's about the only thing that I get sore with my team about is if they let a customer walk out and be unhappy. You just, right. it's not good business. Yeah. And flat rate is not uh, commission on parts, for example. So I would agree with that statement if there was a parts commission paid. However, um, in multiple stores, uh, multiple locations, I want to have my technicians 
fighting for their time. And uh, the service advisors don't always understand the amount of time that's necessary. They don't always understand the accuracy of the flat rate uh, or the, the book time. But I think it's a really healthy environment if I've got guys in the shop very conscientious of the, the time that they're spending on vehicles and, and them pushing the, the front counter, people talking to our customers uh, to get us paid for the time that they're spending. That's all that they have. So I think that that's, to me, that's very healthy. And mm-hmm. of course, if I've got the right people up front, they're not going to, you know, they're, they're, they're kind of the fulcrum. They're the one that has to balance that out between the customer and the technician, what's fair. And if you get the right people up front that have uh, the right character and, and all the right ingredients, it works out really well. It's, it's a great uh, medium. Absolutely. This has been great so far. I do want to come up to a conclusion, and I think I may know exactly how to do it here because uh, we have two great sides of the story. Why? Here, here's my question to you all. Let's let's kind of tuck this up. Why is there more hourly slash salary hybrids than flat rate in our industry to the tune of 60-30? A lot of people are scared of working a flat rate people like such as me, I didn't, I was unclear. I made that leap of faith and it ended up turning out for me. But uh, I think there's some people that. Corey, you made a leap of faith to work flat rate or to change your business from flat both. rate? I mean, I went, I went from hourly as a technician to a flat rate technician. I was very worried, but it ended up being the best decision I ever made. And uh, same thing with the business. I took it from an hourly to a flat rate hybrid, if you will. And it's helped the business out. I've got more people that can produce and uh, get things done. And at the end of the day, they're making more money as well. Um, You know, getting back to the highs and lows, you know, the roller coaster that this industry, that this industry puts us through, you know, you're at the end of the year, whatever the, the employees W2s are, you know, that's where they want to be. So if they want to make $70,000, you got to give them a way to make it. And I would rather have a performance thing so that it's a win-win both sides. But it's also those lows and stuff. And you're talking about stress on the technician or the employee. You know, that gets a little bit of a personal thing with managing your money, living within your means and stuff like that. Um, As a shop owner, we would all lie if we said we never had our highs and lows and probably at a much crazier swing too. Carm, you said why is it that there's such a so many more hybrids and much more hourlies? Because I think if you look at things, I mean, there's only it's probably the eighty twenty rule in effect there, right? I mean, if you look at high producing technicians that do sixty seventy hours a week, those are not there's not like tons of those, right? I mean, that's a rare person that can produce that high. So when you look at these these you know, people coming into the industry, there's obviously there's less technicians and there's going to be even less people that are type, you know, that are producers like that. Like I wouldn't want to be limited myself, but everybody's not like me. And Corey sounds like you're a producer. You know, you don't want to be limited. So you liked flat rate because you want to just don't, don't give me a salary. Let me just perform and, and make my money. But it doesn't, it's not that way anymore. So I think that that, you know, I think society, the, the culture is changing as it is with younger people coming in the industry. They don't maybe have that type of, mentality that we had growing up in the industry. And so I think that we have to change in order to adapt to what they want. And then the end of the day, it's about, you know, the shop has to be profitable. And if people can make a good living and they're, they're, and they're happy with that, then, then we design these pay plans to, to make that happen. And we can have successful businesses that way. I would argue that these hybrid hourly plans are really flat rate and motivated and driven, of course, by it's all driven by production. Mm-hmm. Ultimately, that's what we all want. We want our technicians to produce good quality work and get as much work done as, as they can, and of course, as a team. And so I think that it is kind of the same things. It's kind of tomato, tomato. It's the same thing we want. We want, I want my guys, and, I, and I, I would argue for the simplest plan possible, not to get into profit discussions with my technicians. I want them to come in. I want them to, to obviously be in a good culture, have all the right things. I think a, a, a high-producing technician wants to work for a shop that's organized, that has all the right equipment, that's got the right staff up front. The right staff up front are also motivated. I think that hasn't been discussed. My service right. advisors are motivated by gross profit. They're motivated to get as much work to the shop as possible. And um, I want my technicians just to be focused on the job that they have in front of them and doing the best that they can. And if they know that we've sold that job for an hour, I want them to know that and know that that's kind of the mark that they, that they need to you know, either meet or beat. 
and just be focused on, on just the quality of work. If you just keep it as simple as possible for them, they don't really want to get into profit and expenses and other business. Those are all my issues. Yes, I need to keep them busy. Absolutely. I need to make the phone ring. I need to have expectations on them, do good inspections. And then uh, obviously, if there's an issue with pay and compensation, whether it be a, a floor, uh, a basement level pay, you can just give them a, a guarantee and we can do that. We do that typically with a monthly guarantee. Everybody's bills are monthly. And so if they know that they have one bad pay period, they can make it up in the next pay period. If they don't, we can bridge that gap. So just trying to keep it as simple as possible is my philosophy. I think Jeff's uh, uh, idea just leads into what I was thinking. The best justification for a modification of flat rate is that if I can't make the phone ring, if, if I'm, if I'm uh, being hit by a downturn, I want to. I want to be able to take care of my employees because at the end of the day, they're like my family. I've got to. I've got to take good care of them. I, we're all small business owners, and we all have this this same emotion and empathy. Our employees' issues become our issues uh, if we really care, and I know you guys all do. And um, that, that's that's the best justification for the modification of a pay plan. If I can't deliver on all the bays full every day, or if I, you know, if I'm going to routinely have one bad day a week, then I need to do something to make sure that my employee is not going to be penalized for that. Make the phone ring, right, Mike? Absolutely. Hey guys, this was great, but I can't end it here because my friend Tanner Brandt just tossed up a question. How do they handle, how do you handle diagnostic pay on flat rate? Are they paying one hour and that's it? Do they explain to the customer that it's flat time and uh, from the time the technician starts and when he is finished diagnosing. So could we kind of hammer on that since testing is so big and important to us today? I really like the way Jeff does it. I, I copied I copied what he does. Oh, put me on the spot just like that. <laughs> That's my job. <laughs> well, I know three of the four of us kind of come from the same the same uh, mindset when it comes to testing time. We, we try to limit the tech it's very important to, tra to track the, the technician's actual time on the vehicle and charge the customer accordingly. And obviously you want to have your diagnostic uh, work uh, be geared towards the people who can best figure out what those problems are in the least amount of time. So we, we try to um, make that not an issue uh, is it could be as simple as giving them a 30 minute timer. And yes, typically most shops start out with an hour diagnostic. We don't sell an hour diagnostic. We have level one, level two diagnostic. And it's priced accordingly. And so as the technician uh, gets close to that half an hour, they should be coming up and getting more time approved. Uh, a good technician should be able to have it figured out with the resources that we have available. So it is, it is being disciplined, having the technicians really watch their actual time very closely. And then having a service advisor that's not afraid to sell at time, because I think that is one of the areas that the shops leave on the table more than anything. Opportunity is, is selling diagnostic time. We, we take it too often in the shorts when it comes to testing. I, I agree. That's a um, great answer. When it comes to testing, we, we have the technicians like stop. And if we need to ask more test for more testing, then, then we need to ask for that. And it always gets into a debate diagnosis versus testing. I'm strong on the testing because tests don't necessarily come to an end. Um, tests can lead to more tests. And just yes. because a, a, a just because a test came back good or positive doesn't mean that that's the the end result. It, like I said, it could lead to more testing. And if you need to call the customer back, you've already got the pre. Maybe like we we try to pre-approve an hour's worth of testing time. Um, and if that testing time says okay, we we've got a bad wire somewhere. I need another two to three hours. That's that's what we have to tell the customer. Jeff had the uh, the, the idea of, uh, I don't know if you still call it this, Jeff, but level one, level two, level three. And then I, we go beyond, which is, a, which is a time and materials. If somebody has a project car or something that's been in an accident where you really, you really can't predict it. And it was culturally very hard for our service advisors to sell it and for our technicians to stick to it because they just want to dive in and fix it. Um, so it was a culturally, it took quite a long time to get people thinking that way, but it's, it's resulted in a lot more profitability for our shop 
um, and as uh, I feel, probably the most valuable service that we provide to people is that diagnostic service. Anybody can, you know, they can go to AutoZone and, and plug in a scanner, but it takes a real experienced technician to be able to understand what those codes mean and to really figure out ABA kinds of, uh, of elimination of problems. And we need to be able to charge for that. We don't, we, we, we never want to be ashamed of that because that's, that's what we're selling. That's what sets my shop apart from the shop down the street. Boy, this is going to go on and on. Here's another, here's another comment. Does flat rate reward testing or bullet seeking statistical diagnostics, database diagnostics? I, I would argue that a flat rate technician is going to be the guy who wants to take the most direct course, the most direct route to the solution. And uh, of course, you gather experience over time, trial and error, different things. And uh, I would say that, uh, again, I, there's always outliers and there's exceptions or whatever. A good technician is a good technician, whether they're paid hourly or not. But I, I definitely see the time element being way more critical to a guy on flat rate. He understands that if he spends 15 minutes on this extra, uh, he may or may not recoup that time personally. And so I would, I would argue that this person's going to use every resource at his disposal. He's again, it's going to come back to, does he, is he properly set up in in the shop? Does he have a a dual monitor, fast connected computer to the internet where he can check resources and he can double check, uh, you know, wiring diagrams and and service bulletins and all these kind of things. I, I would still again, argue that, that a flat rate technician is still going to be the guy who's most motivated to get that done right. He's not going to want to hang parts for free and have to take them back off and try another part and whatnot. So, and I would argue that 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 could be true, and it probably is true for some. But I know our technicians that you know our, the hours are posted every day. They're all contributing to the group goal. So when somebody's struggling, somebody else is very willing to come in and help them. But two, the technician, a lot of people are money motivated. But I found too that a lot of these guys are are um, also don't want to be embarrassed by being the lowest producer. So they do perform so that the team performs and so the team bonuses. So when somebody um, is having trouble, there's always help there because they're willing to help the team hit the goal. But two, they don't want to be sitting there looking like the low guy on the totem pole who's not holding their own weight. So it can go both ways. And end of the day, it's about the integrity of the technician. Hey, guys, we're going to put a pin in it. We're going to put a pin in it. This was fabulous. Um, thank you all so much for your contributions. Jeff Matt from Victory Auto Service and Glass in Minneapolis, Minnesota and Points in Florida. Joe Hansen, Gordy's Garage, Roseville, Michigan. Look for Joe and I on a panel at Napa Expo. Yes. Mike Maloney. Convenience Auto Service, Ann Arbor, Michigan. Mike, good to have you. First timer on the show. Love to have you. We'll do some more. And Corey Evaldi, Olmstead Auto Care, North Ridge, uh, North Ridgeville in in Ohio. I know his dad. He's from one of he's from one of the towns up here in Buffalo. Corey, good to have you here, man. Thanks, guys. Thanks for being on board to listen and learn from the premier automotive aftermarket podcast. Until next time. 